10 million people with essential tremors, 500,000 tremor dominant Parkinson's disease. Why does that matter? Is there a better way that we can support and improve their quality of life? I think there might be. Stick with us while we have some incredible guests that are going to talk about incisionless brain surgery. You heard that right, incisionless. What does that mean? Stay tuned. This incredible show made possible by our wonderful sponsors, Assured Senior Living. Love, it's what we do. And Serenity Engage, where care connects. Now, a brief message from Serenity Engage. Serenity connects aging service providers, older adults, and their loved ones in a single network. Our web, mobile, and smart assistance products power the network that enables real-time HIPAA-compliant communication, collaboration, and education. When we care together, providers increase revenue and lower expenses, older adults receive better care, and family has greater peace of mind. And we're back, and we have two incredible guests with us, Miss Katie Davis and Dr. Harward, Harward from Insight Tech. Katie, thank you both for joining. Let me start with you, Katie. What is Insight Tech? Insight Tech is a company um, with a long history, but really we're the makers of Focus Ultrasound um, for the use of incisionless brain surgery for essential tremor and tremor-dominant Parkinson's disease. And then Dr. Harwood, obviously, you know, you, you've got a great resume. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I, I've done some background on you, but how did you kind of get to where we are today? Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm currently at Duke University Medical Center in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, I've actually been here uh, 20 years now. I started as an undergraduate back in 2003 and then uh, medical school, graduate school, where I got a PhD in neurobiology. Uh, then did my residency and fellowship training at Duke, and then I uh, was lucky enough to get a faculty position, and I've been here ever since. And uh, every chance I get to leave, they just keep pulling me back in because it's, it's a great place to live and, more importantly, a great place to work. It's a lot of exciting things, such as this procedure uh, that we're doing at Duke. And so as a young faculty, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So obviously, you know, incisions, brain surgery, that one, you know, piqued my interest. But what does that mean? What is exactly incisions, brain surgery? Yeah, yeah. So I think what, what I'll start, I'll kind of contrast it with what I initially learned early in my training. So when I was coming mm -hmm. through medical school and residency, um, tremor, as you know, affects a lot of people. And so we had great therapies for a long time, surgical therapies, one of those being deep brain stimulation. But that involves putting electrodes into the brain, involves incisions, involves putting stuff that's going to stay behind for the duration of the therapy, years, which have been mm -hmm. great options. But that's a, that's a lot for patients to take on. During my last year of training, I was introduced to this new technique that InsightTech has really kind of helped pioneer along with others in the scientific community, where instead of putting things into the brain, we can use the power of sound, acoustic energy, without incisions to actually make lesions in the brain to target the networks and circuits that are responsible for tremor and actually give significant benefit. Um, and so we've been doing this at Duke now for the last six months, and the, and the results have just been absolutely amazingly part of it. It's one of the as a neurosurgeon, we see all kinds of incredible things, but this is honestly one of the most exciting things I've been part of uh, as a neurosurgery trainee, but now also neurosurgery faculty. That's powerful. What? So what is, let's go kind of back. So what is essential tremors? 
what is it, you know, what is like a, a tremor dominant Parkinson's, you know, kind of for our audience, you know, what does that mean? Yeah. So a start with social tremor, like you said, affects 10 million Americans. I mean, it's a very, it's the most common we call movement disorder in the country. Uh, and so what it involves, there's a lot of other names for it, benign familial uh, uh, tremor is another one people commonly talk about it. It does often run in families. But what it is, it's a tremor that when you're at rest and relaxing, you don't see anything. But when you go to hold your arm out, you go to grab a cup of water, you try and write, that the tremor really becomes a problem. It can really make it challenging to do a lot of the day-to-day -day tasks that the three of us take for granted every day. Um, and so this is something that's progressive. Some patients, they see it from an early age. I've had patients tell me third grade, I remember trying to, to write my name. I started to have the shakes, if you will, and it's just gradually gotten worse over time. There are other wow. patients who it presents much more in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and progresses later in life. So it's very heterogeneous. Hmm. We do know that for many patients, there's a genetic component to it, but we actually don't know what that gene is. All we know is that it tends to run in families, which makes us think there's some kind of gene responsible. We haven't figured that out yet. Um, and so I'll contrast that with tremor-dominant Parkinson's disease, which is a subset of Parkinson's. Um, I think as you alluded to, about half a million people have this. And Parkinson's disease is also a very common movement disorder. Um, about a million people in this country have it. But of those, a subset have what's called tremor-dominant. So Parkinson's has a lot of different symptoms um, that can involve bradykinesia, which means the slowness of movement. Uh, it can involve rigidity, which where you're very stiff, trying to get up out of a chair is very challenging. Trying to even make facial expressions like smiling is very challenging. But one thing that's very common is tremors. Um, the classic Parkinson's tremor is a rest tremor where you're just sitting there and their hands are shaking. There's a pill rolling tremor is what we learned about in medical school where you're almost like you're rolling a pill in your fingers. And for many of those patients, when they go to do something, just like a central tremor, that tremor gets a lot worse and makes it very, very challenging and very disabling. Um, so those are kind of the two main flavors that we see. But luckily, both tremors do seem to really respond well to not only deep brain stimulation, but also this incisionless surgery, uh, high-intensity focused ultrasound. Interesting. I mean, I, I've got to imagine the recovery is significantly different, too, from when you're, you know, you're doing the incisions and putting the electrodes in versus the ultrasound yeah. component. Can you talk a little bit about you know, what's the recovery like? What is it, you know, what does it actually look like on the day that, oh my gosh, I'm going to do this. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to let yeah. someone play with my brain because I would imagine there's some resistance when you're first like, my brain. Yep. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and this is something that we always encourage patients to really think about because it is a big undertaking. And, and I'm very careful to still use the term incisionless surgery. I make sure that I, I don't call this minimally invasive because we are still making a lesion in the brain. We are doing surgery on your brain. It's just not involving an incision. So there is definitely still a recovery period involved with that, but the recovery is definitely less than what we've seen with deep brain stimulation. Um, the way that we do things here at Duke is that deep brain stimulation usually is done over two separate days. That's a stage one and a stage two. Um, both procedures have recovery periods. Um, with deep brain stimulation, stage one, you do stay in the hospital overnight just so we can keep a close eye on you and make sure you're up and walking and recovering well. Mm -hmm. Contrast that with focused ultrasound. It's an outpatient procedure. Patients walk in the hospital. We do the procedure. The, the whole day takes about four to five hours. We watch you in recovery for about an hour to an hour and a half. And then our goal is to get you up and walking, eating and drinking, and have you actually walk out of the hospital on your own. Wow. Now, I always tell patients, it's 
it's not like getting an x-ray, unfortunately. You know, you know you had something done. You know you had a procedure. You're tired. But once mm -hmm. again, though, you're not having to stay in the hospital. I tell mm -hmm. folks, you usually expect about two weeks just to kind of give yourself a full recovery. But honestly, many patients progress much more quickly than that. Many patients are coming back three, four days later already feeling almost 100%. Uh, I have to remind them, you still had brain surgery. Don't forget that. <laughs> so take it easy. Uh, right. But it's definitely a lot less involved. And so some of our best patients so far have been those who, due to their age, being in their 80s or close to 90, have not been great deep brain stimulation candidates because of that recovery period. Ultrasound has been a nice alternative for them and has given them an improved quality of life they may not have otherwise had. Well, that's got to be pretty powerful as a clinician, too, that you're having an impact on, on a, a, maybe a subset of a population that you couldn't do much before this, right? I mean, that's got to mean, be, I mean, how, I mean, you're on the cutting edge here. I mean, your team is, I mean, how does that impact you as a, as a, you know, a, a, a person in, in a medical professional? Yeah, no. So I said, this is honestly one of the most exciting things that I've been part of as a trainee and now also a faculty. So one of the big things that I was always taught from a very early age in medical school is that when you're a physician, you're on a journey with the patient. It's not you telling the patient what to do, but really it's a, it's a partnership, a cooperation, tackling these issues together. And one of the things that's challenging uh, up until recently is that for essential tremor, once you've tried all the medications, we only had one option for patients, which was deep brain stimulation. Mm. Now for many patients, that's been a tremendous option and it still is a great option for many, many folks out there. But for some folks, it's just not the right option or just not what they want to pursue because of the invasive nature. Right. What this is allowing me to do now is give them multiple options. That way I can sit with the patient. I can talk about both. And in fact, when people come to see me, I really take the time. Even if they say, I only want ultrasound, I still take the time to talk about both. So they come very well informed and they're making that decision themselves with all the available information. But it gives them the autonomy to decide what's best for them. And as a clinician, that's what I'm really looking for. I don't want to tell patients what to do, rather lay out the options, discuss the pros and cons, and really help them along this journey make the decision that's best for them. Because I think when a patient really feels that this is the right decision, they believe in it, outcomes are almost always better then, as opposed to saying, yeah. this is the only option, you've got to do this, right. uh, et cetera. He kind of feels stuck. So let's kind of, we've talked a lot about who is a, a great candidate for this? What, what type of person, you know, yeah you know, is the candidate that whether, you know, you're looking for that can, you know, really benefit and use this type of, of, you know, treatment? Yeah. Terrific question. We get that question all the time. Uh, so I'll start first with essential tremor. Uh, and I'll say that, that we're still learning a lot as we go. This is one of the newer mm -hmm. therapies. I'm always very upfront with folks about this. It's only been right. FDA approved for about five years now. And so it's something that we're just starting to really get more and more experience with, if you will. But what we've learned so far is that for essential tremor, Patients who really have predominantly a hand tremor or an arm okay. tremor, those are the best candidates. Folks who've tried at least two medications, of which one of those is typically a beta blocker like propranolol or the brand name is Enderil. Mm -hmm. Those are usually the folks who have the best response. Now, there are subsets of folks with head tremor, voice tremor, um, trunk tremor, face tremor that also do respond. We just have a harder time predicting who those folks are. So I'm always very upfront with folks that if that's your primary symptom, we may benefit that, but if that's your if that's your main goal, I can't guarantee that response. Right. Hand tremor, arm tremor are much better in terms of responding to that therapy. Now, comparing that to tremor dominant Parkinson's disease, uh, the the main issue is that uh, that's a subset of Parkinson's. So there's the other symptoms: the bradykinesia, the gait issues, 
Um, a lot of the cognitive issues with Parkinson's, those just don't respond, unfortunately, to high to ultrasound at this time. There's a lot of active investigation that going trying to figure that out, but right now it's just not just not there. And so the patients that really are the best candidates in that category are those where, if I was to say, what is your primary issue? What's impacting you 90% of your life? If they say, well, well, doc, it's the tremor. The bradykinesia is very mild, the rigidity is mild, but it's the tremor that's really getting me. Those are the best candidates. And like we've done two of those so far at Duke and those are the patients that really, it was just tremor that was their main symptom and they had a great response those who have other symptoms, we've really tried to avoid treating because we don't think they're going to get as good a response. Now, that may right. change with time, but right now right. we really stick to the tremor. Um, I uh, just have you clarify something. So one of the things that a lot of those patients that are tremor dominant and want the tremor revolve, are they still candidates for deep brain stimulation when that rigidity and all those stuff progress yeah. in a way that you're saying focus ultrasound doesn't have the technology to, to capture right now? Yep, absolutely. Thank you. It's a great point. And that the answer, luckily, right now, deep brain stimulation is much more of a catch-all, if you will. Mm -hmm. We've been doing it for 20 plus years, and we, we know um, there are different targets for DBS. And so, therefore, we're able to really personalize that therapy a little bit better for the Parkinson's patients. And the data is very strong. There's been a lot of great clinical trials showing the efficacy of that. Now, in the future, ultrasound may also get there. But right now, though, it really is just that tremor dominant Parkinson's that respond. And so if you're somebody who has other symptoms, I think that's a great opportunity to meet with your neurologist or your neurosurgeon and talk about, is ultrasound an option? And if not, what about deep brain stimulation? Because um, so we do now have these two very, very good options. So we're capturing, offering this to many more patients than we did previously, and, and hopefully helping giving people a much higher quality of life as they get into their, into their older years. That's awesome. Go ahead, Katie. Sorry. <laughs> no, go, go. If, if they choose to go the focus ultrasound down the line, would you can still consider that a person, a candidate for deep brain? Or is it a one or the other when they first come and talk to you about kind of their, their short-term goals and long-term goals and that journey with yeah. Parkinson's? Yeah, terrific question. Um, so luckily the answer is that neither of these choices really close the door on the other. Um, now, it's one of the things we obviously are trying not to do both. We don't ever advocate for that. Um, but there are definitely patients who have had ultrasound, and for whatever reason, it didn't give them the response they were looking for. Uh, and people have come back and done DBS that had great results with that. Conversely, there are also folks who've had DBS placed, and for whatever reason, they had to have it removed or just wasn't giving them the efficacy they were looking for. They came back with ultrasound and also had very good responses. Now, the numbers there are very low, so I always tell patients that this is something we're still learning a lot about, so I wouldn't necessarily take that to the bank that that's a guarantee. But luckily, though, it's not like that you do one thing and now that other option is forever off the table for you. That I mean, that's great, though. I mean, I think, you, like you said, a best doctor, it's giving us you giving you options, right? You can present multiple yep. options. So. You know, if I, you know, you guys national, how can someone, you know, learn, I mean, get dive deeper into this? Like, you know, do they start with their neurologist? Is there, what can they best do to be like, I think I want to dive and explore more and learn more about, can this either work for me or my loved one? Yeah. Yeah. So I think the first place to start um, is obviously me meeting with your, your local primary care doctor or neurologist. Mm -hmm. So for a central mm -hmm. trimmer, um, especially in North Carolina, where we have a very a mix of both urban and rural areas. Many of our primary care doctors who are at the forefront of medicine, they're taking care of these things. They're prescribing the medications like propranolol, primidone, gabapentin, et cetera. And so they see this quite a bit in their practice. So I, I would definitely start there. Um, but also, too, our neurologists, this is what we have neurologists 
places like Duke and others that this is what they specialize in. They are specialized in movement disorders. And so they are really good at knowing what's essential tremor, what's Parkinson's, because these are honestly just two of the very many tremors that are out there. In fact, there are, are multiple textbooks written just about tremor because it is, it is a very complex and heterogeneous thing. And having somebody who's an expert and has seen all of this really kind of diagnose, this is what you have. Because one, one of my biggest fears as a neurosurgeon is I'm going to do a procedure on somebody that's not going to benefit them. Yeah. Uh, and the biggest, I think, driving factor there is that if we have the wrong diagnosis, that can sometimes lead us to give patients a procedure that's not going to benefit them. And the data is very clear. Essential tremor benefits beautifully from this. Other tremors, though, do not. And I think that's where getting that expert opinion from somebody who has that training is a great place to start. Um, and I also know, I mean, and there are many centers around the country that are doing this. Um, and, and Duke is one of those, always happy to answer questions. I said, I, I'm readily providing my contact information to patients because this is a great educational opportunity. And like I said, I'm always happy to chat. And if I can help, terrific. But if not, happy to point you the direction of somebody who can. That's fantastic. And then so with Duke University, uh, it sounds like Duke and your team are leading some of the continue to dive and explore the benefits and other ways you can improve the tech. So kind of want to know where do you feel that this is you know moving to next what are you guys kind yeah. of currently researching and looking at yeah great um so yeah so i, I mean being completely upfront we're luck we're not the first to be kind of moving into some great centers out there that have really actually mm -hmm. helped us in getting our program off the ground and training us i um, mean people for example we met with uh, dr munion in charlotte novant dr shah at ut southwestern dr sani at rush really helped us get our program going. And there's just a few of the people out there that are really pushing this because this is a really incredible technology. Um, but things that we at Duke are doing, um, so one of the things we're developing a research lab that's gonna really look at focused ultrasound, uh, using it in animals and then translating that to human use for going beyond tremor. So tremor right now we're using, excuse me, the, the HIFU or the high intensity focused ultrasound, that's an ablative therapy. We're actually making a lesion. We're also looking at, can we use this to modulate the brain? So instead hmm. of making a dam making damage, can we use it to actually make circuits that are acting abnormally, restore them to a more normal state? And the implications, the applications for that, excuse me, are, are diverse. Epilepsy, depression, obesity, addiction, basically any neurologic condition of which circuits are the primary kind of driver, that hmm. may be an option. I know our wow. brain tumor center has partnered in several of the clinical trials looking at ways of well, taking a step back, for many brain tumors, one of the biggest issues is getting the chemotherapies and medications delivered to those tumors. There's a barrier called the blood-brain barrier, which really acts to protect the brain. Mm -hmm. The problem, though, is that it also keeps the medicines that we give through an IV from getting to the brain. Well, mm -hmm. ultrasound has proven to be a great way to actually open up that blood-brain barrier temporarily, allowing <laughs> us to get medications to these tumors. And trials are ongoing now looking at how can that actually be a better way to treat these? Can we get better responses and, and maybe even start uh, avoiding how much surgery we have to do? Wow. So a lot of exciting directions for sure. I mean, I yeah, think that's pretty powerful. That's incredible, yeah. actually. So, Kid, I want to kind of ask you a question. You're on more of that consumer facing, it sounds like, working with the frequently. What do you see the biggest barrier or challenges right now when it comes to, you know, to this technology and the adoption or the at least curiosity of it? So... What I see a lot of, and I, I think that uh, he would echo this, is education and knowing this is an option. For essential trauma patients, not everyone's being managed by a movement disorder neurologist, a neurologist. They, 
10 million people, that is a lot of people on. They're with the primary care. And unless they're really intimately involved and have, they don't know this exists. I can't tell you how many times I meet a patient who had this for 20 years and like, why didn't no one tell me about this? They had to go to Google. They had to find Insight Tech. They get on Duke's webinar for the first time, really advocating for themselves for this therapy, for finding a solution. I think that's the biggest barrier is getting that information. Okay. And then in conjunction, getting to all those doctors to educate. If you look at how many primary care doctors we have across the country, that's a lot of people to sit and educate yeah. and get familiar and create this pathway. Um, Parkinson's has a very clear pathway. It's a very knowledgeable disease state um, across the country and movement disorders. Um, so, so people know where to go. Um, an interesting stat, it's 47% of Americans are familiar with essential tremor and affects seven to 10 million Americans, whereas Parkinson's disease is a million and we have 94% understanding as Americans in some familiarity with that movement. Wow. That's a huge disconnect wow. yeah. of why we partner and why both of us are just so passionate to bring yeah. the knowledge everywhere to yeah. the doctors, to the, the patients, to the caregivers, anyone right. who will listen. Yeah. And I think that's fantastic. And so a good way to send is, is Insight Tech's website, a, a great avenue to start sending people that are curious as well, too. So I'm going to pull that up real quick. You know, it, your website is is super user friendly. I think it's a great way to kind of understand in, I'd say, normal terms, right? Not uh, clinical terms that kind of lose, you know, some people. Um, but, but you know, we're going to put these in the show notes and we will put some contact information in about that. But they have a lot of useful information, not just for potential patients and families, but even healthcare professionals. And I think as you said, Katie and Dr. Harwood, Harwood, you got to start educating both the consumer, the patient, right? Families, as well as the providers as well too. And so uh, we're going to put the show note and link up there to your website, insighttech.com, uh, so that they can help um, really drive some more awareness uh, around the options for treatment that I think will, you know, benefit a lot of people who are living with the central tremors. Uh, I cannot thank you both enough. This has been so educational, uh, so I think rewarding from from our viewers about being able to share this technology. So, Doctor, thank you very much for taking some time. I know you're super busy, so really appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> my my uh, pleasure. Always a lot of fun. And, and Katie, thank you as well for setting this up. You know, love the work that you do, and I think it's it's going to have a positive impact uh, on a lot of people. And we'll keep helping spread that message. So, uh, really, you know. Look forward to seeing where Insight Tech and the research at Duke goes next, but um, we're excited and we're going to definitely get this message out there for, for everyone. Thank you very much. Yep. Thank you Absolutely. so much. All right. We're going to drop, drop you guys off. I'm going to finish up the show, but I really appreciate you guys coming on and we will talk soon. Sounds, Sounds good. good. Wow. That's some power right there incisionless brain surgery, you know, the positive impacts it can have on some with the central tremors, tremor dominant Parkinson's disorder. This is the way of the future of neurosurgery. So again, visit insighttech.com for more information. Uh, we're going to provide more show notes on how to contact them and provide consumers, healthcare professionals, an avenue to learn more and connect with those professionals that are on the cutting edge of neurosurgery. 
And with that, I want to end our show with our collaboration aging event that's happening September 27th and 28th in Denver, Colorado. This is the unconference. We are going to do some things different. We are already having an incredible turnout. Some amazing people are presenting and speaking, and we're really focusing on the human element of aging. What does it mean from a person-centered standpoint to age? What does it mean for us to age? How do we want to age? How do we want to age today, but also 10 years from now? So join us September 27th and 28th in Denver, Colorado. Until next time, go out, pay it forward, and be kind.